This podcast may contain some strong language not suitable for all ages. I'll work hard and, you know, I don't have to be the guy getting the glory. I don't have to score the winning goal. I don't have to be on the ice when the winning goal is scored. I, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, but I remember playing at Navy and I had to earn my way into the lineup. And the only shift I got, I was on the penalty kill two. I only got on the ice when the second shift of the PK was out there. So I'm, I'm like, I get maybe six minutes a game, if that, right? So I'm going to give it 100 freaking percent. And at the end of the year, I'm PK1. This week on The Godfather of Hockey, we have a Top Gun fighter pilot that goes by the call sign Juice. Ralph Featherstone grew up only a few blocks away from the Fort DuPont Arena in Washington, D.C. Like many kids in his neighborhood, hockey was not really on his radar. But once he laced up his skates and stepped onto the ice for Coach Neal's Fort DuPont Cannons, it quickly became a lifelong love affair. Now a coach and a father to a son in the program, Feather has hopes to taking the Cannons to new heights. Away from the rink, Ralph is a father for a husband, a graduate of the Naval Academy, and has served as a U.S. Marine aviator now assigned at the Pentagon. Ralph opens up to us about life as a hockey player, as a fighter pilot, and his mentorship under Coach Neal. He's the godfather of hockey in D.C. The godfather. If I don't do me, that's the death of me. The death of me. Calm through the storm, watch the enemy. The enemy. Check the score, I came back from a deficit. A deficit. Working on my game, so accurate. For the listeners at home, we're with Ralph Featherstone. He is a long-standing member, current assistant coach of the club. But as AJ mentioned before, I just wanted to preface this before we get into it. Ralph is in the military. And obviously, as AJ mentioned, when we first met you, uh, we were like, wow, we're in the presence of a top gun and someone who is in love with the game of hockey and who is the apple in Coach Neal's eye. And, uh, you know, so it was like <laughs> this wonderful fusion of, of story here. But maybe we'll, let, we'll allow you maybe to talk a little bit about what you do for a living. At the time of our shooting of the production, you were with, you know, a different part of the military. But maybe I'll let right. you explain right. all that. Sure. Sure. So yeah, uh, just for the listeners out there, I'm originally from Washington, D.C. and started playing ice hockey with the uh, Fort DuPont Cannons um, in middle school. So I started late um, and we just had a great group of guys. Um, and Coach Neal, you know, as Steve mentioned, is, is a great mentor, father figure for a lot of folks. And he teaches more than just ice hockey, he teaches life. So um, you, you bond to a person like that fairly quickly, and those lessons stick with you throughout your life. Um, and it stuck with me through the Naval Academy. So after high school, I went to United States Naval Academy in Annapolis and played ice hockey there and built on those lessons again and joined the Marine Corps um, and started shortly thereafter, started flying F-18s in the backseat. So I'm a weapons officer. Um, so if you've seen the movie Top Gun, I'm Goose. Um, that, that's the job that I do. <laughs> And so when I met the crew here, AJ and Steve, uh, I was assigned to the Joint Strike Fighter Program Office, so the new fighter that services are going to be flying. Um, and I, had, when we started filming, I had been selected to command an F-18 squadron out in San Diego. So that's why I left fairly quickly. And then I'm back now. That job is done. And I'm currently a serve with the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a support role for the things that they need as they go brief the president and stuff like that. So I'm back in town. Um, I was telling AJ earlier that 
considering going to uh, Minnesota next month to work my level five certification with USA Hockey. Um, I got to talk with Coach Neal about that and see how that fits into plans and stuff like that, though. Uh, I don't want to leave those guys shorthanded during that week if uh, there's something planned. So um, we'll see how that goes, but I'm really excited to be back. And, you know, Instagram's a great thing. I've been you know, poaching drill videos and all types of things and, and building the catalog of things that I can unleash on the guys this season. So yeah, it's been awesome. How did you come across the, like you mentioned that you started in middle school. How, what brought you into the program? A group of my friends started playing um, in elementary school, probably fifth grade, fourth grade. They were on a field trip to the rink. Um, one of the teachers was an IP, liked to ice skate. So he took the kids to a field trip. And while they were at the rink, they ran into Coach Neal. And he's like, hey, I got a hockey team, you know? Hmm. And so some of my friends started playing then. And it took about two years of convincing my mom to, you know, finally allow me to play. And it got to the point where one day I just brought home the, the forms and I just didn't ask my mom anymore. I gave them right to my dad. And so he signed them. And then I snuck them back to my buddy who took them to practice and handed them to coach. And that's how, and that's how it started right there. I'm like one of those kids in, in World War II that lied about their age to go, you know, serve in the war. That was me joining. <laughs> <laughs> now, now was your, did your, uh, we, me and AJ have got to know your mom, Brenda. She's a lovely woman. What was her reservations about you playing hockey? She didn't want me to get hurt. She thought it was a too rough of a sport. And, you know, I'm the youngest and she didn't want me getting banged up. I'm like, you see all the equipment they wear, I'll be fine. <laughs> but you're also, as we mentioned earlier, you know, and jokingly, but uh, you're not six foot two. Right. Yeah. And I was, you know, I'm, a, I'm five, six, you know, I'm about 170 pounds now. But when I started playing ice hockey, I think I was seventh grade and I was not even 80 pounds yet. Like I was a little guy. Uh, so I guess her reservations were well-founded, exactly. um, but, you know, I was just determined to compete and get out there. So now there was, there was a connection between your father and coach Neil, um, unless I misremember our interviews, uh, did they not know each other prior to you joining the program? I don't think they knew each other, like stopping and talking, but um, they had competed against each other in high school because they both were swimmers. Um, so Coach Neal swam for his high school and my dad swam for his high school. And I don't know if they competed directly against each other, but they knew of each other from swimming. So they are very, you guys didn't have, you know, my dad passed away in 2013, but um, those two guys in their outlook on life and how they do business is very, very similar, which is probably why I took the coach Neil so, so easily is because it was like, you know, hearing my dad talk, you know, it wasn't a big departure. Um, so for coach Neil, he fills a void for a lot of kids that don't have a dad in their life. Um, for me, he just kind of reinforced those values that I was hearing at home. When you say style, Ralph, yeah. and they were similar in what way? Um, kind of a, a no-nonsense, kind of holds you accountable for the things that uh, that you do. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you're responsible for your actions. It doesn't matter what someone else is doing or has done to you. Hey, oh, this guy called me a name. So what? You decided to go do whatever. You know, you are accountable for those. Um, if they pat you on the back, you've earned it. 
you know, they're just not giving you a compliment just just to be nice. <laughs> sure. that, it, I think that's consistent with that generation across the board. You know, the guys that are 80 and 80 plus right now, if they if they pat you on the back, you know, you've earned that accolade. And uh, so be proud of yourself. Type well, of thing. I think that was one of the biggest surprises that I learned uh, when, you know, when you meet Coach Neal, he's such a sweet man. Um, but on the ice, you know, when it comes to the games, you know, he can be quite militant right? It's yeah. very like, keep you in line. And I can see sort of that style being adopted by you. Yeah. And I, sometimes I'm like, man, am I being too hard on these kids, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, when I would come back from being in San Diego and come back to practice and all the kids would run and give me a hug, you know, that made sure. me feel really good. I'm like, okay, you know, I think it's, they know it's not personal. Just when we get on the ice, it's, you know, it's business. And I don't, you know, I never get on a kid for, for not doing a technique right or not being able to master a concept. Those things, you know, it, it takes time, right? It's, sure. it's a difficult game. It's so many things. It's like a golf swing while you're getting hit, right? My tolerance gets a little, or the nerve gets a little rubbed when you have a kid that's being a, a bit disruptive as you're trying to teach other folks. And that, I think that's Coach Neal's thing too, when you, you have a kid that's not listening and just is off in La La Land. And so what you're competing against really is trying to fit all these different personalities into a structure, into a team. And a lot of times when home is kind of a freelance, kind of do what you want when you want environment, it's tough. It's tough on the child to fit into a structure when they haven't seen it. And then it's tough on the coach to adjust to that. So it's just some growing pains that we'll get through over time, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I have adopted coach's style. I think I've adopted his style in my time in the Marine Corps and it served me well there. Also. <laughs> yeah, but we'll have, to, we'll have to both agree though that we have you on film, that there's one thing that you've kind of taken on your own is I think your language on the bench is a bit different than coaches. <laughs> I try to keep that under my breath. Um, I, so, so the thing is one of the other dads and I have grown up together and his son is, is now the same age as, as my son, Ralph. So Javi and Ralph are the same age and Javi's dad, George is actually the one who got me playing hockey. He's the one I handed the forms to, and we've been best friends since probably first grade. And even as a young guy, he would all, like, we could be playing badminton in my backyard. And I'm like, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, come on, man, with guys on my team. Like, it's just, and he's like, well, calm down, man. It's just, it's just badminton, dude, calm down. So <laughs> I've been working on that. And I think I'll be better, AJ, uh, moving forward. I've, I've got a new focus on things that are important in life. <laughs> hey man, it's normal. I think yeah. I think for me, it was like every other coach I've always had. You were no different than any other coach that that is I've ever played at and in any level of hockey. There was no bench that was not full of uh, yelling, screaming, the obvious you know cuss words or swear words the odd time. Um, <laughs> it was no different to me. It was it was one hundred percent. That was that was hockey to me. So. Just it wasn't necessarily what we were what we wanted to be recording. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that either. Um, and I kind of knew going in that it was going to be a tough game. Um, at the time we scheduled that game, the only team they had available, they're like, the only team that has an opening this week is our select, which is basically their 
their all-star team at that age. And so I was like, oh. We didn't know that. Yeah, we didn't know that going. Yeah, so it was the only game I could get, and I really wanted to get them a game, just some experience. Maybe it wasn't the right game for them. They were, you know, so I went in knowing, and I didn't tell the guys we're playing a select team. I didn't want to get them any more nervous than they already were. Um, and it showed, you know, that that they're playing, you know, all-stars at their age group. And, they, you know, we we took one on the chin that day. And my frustration wasn't with the score. My frustration was at the hesitance or reluctance of our guys to actually skate and play, you know, and maybe they were a little bit intimidated by, you know, you get on the ice and you just see, you can tell by the first drop of the puck that, oh, these guys are good and we might be a little bit outmatched today. And I'm trying to instill some mental toughness in the team and just go give it your best shot and whatever happens, happens. Um, that was where my frustration was because I saw some guys that like to talk a lot and, you know, noise in practice and try to be tough in practice that were just really skittish out there and just really like deer, deer in the headlights look. And so that was the frustrating part for me. So, um, yeah. But we'll improve upon that. I will. Uh, I, I I took a lot of notes of my own performance that game, and I've been, I have been focused on that game for quite some time because I was not happy with, not just my emotions and passions in the game, but one of the things I tell other coaches, or when I'm mentoring folks in the Marine Corps, is when you have kids or anyone you're coaching, you have to give them meaningful things to act upon. Like, I hate phrases, empty phrases, like, come on, guys, we got to dig deep. Come on, guys, we got to give it our, like, what does that Talks mean? deep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? Like, I got to give you specific instructions on what to do so that you can focus on those things. So I took a lot of notes on my own performance that game and went back to the, the, the drawing board and trying to like, all right, man, what, how can I get better? And how can I, you know, set the kids up for success? in these type of environments. Cause we're gonna, we're gonna be in that situation again. You do this long enough, you're gonna have days where you're getting punched in the mouth, you know, figuratively, hopefully not literally, but and you gotta figure out how you, how you deal with that adversity. You know, um, you can't cry and, and take your ball and go home. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting to see because Coach Neal, and I think, you know, at least from our private screenings of the film, um, you know, people are really surprised at how Coach Neal talks to the, even the youngins, uh, the squirt team that you were coaching. He talks to them like adults. He talks to them like, you know, he's, you know, they're on the same level and he holds them accountable just as much as someone who's a teenager or, you know, my age, <laughs> you know? Right. And, you know, we're very respectful of Coach. You know, I hold him in the highest regard. And, you know, you get that when you have a kid that walks up and is like, hey, Neil or Coach Neal, you're like, uh, hey, dude, you know, but coach is okay with that. It doesn't, like, he doesn't put on these airs of, hey, I sit on this high throne and you shall kneel before me type of thing. It, that's not the guy he is, which endears him to the kids. And I, I've seen coach really get on kids hard to the point where I'm like, ooh, I gotta go, I gotta go do damage control after. But after, you know, coach gives them a hug and they, they know it's not personal and it, it prepares them for life. You know, it, it really does. Um, we've seen more successes and, uh, you know, I don't even know of any, you know, failures, if you will, but the kids that stay with the program, we, we see successes all the time. What I wanted to ask you was, 
How does your program work? Now, you had mentioned earlier about, I think the team that we were talking about you were playing was Montgomery, um, but I'm not 100% yes. sure if that was the name of the team. And Steve and I struggled with understanding. Um, at times, we misunderstood. How does your program work? From getting games to, you know, doing practices, um, can you describe it from a coaching perspective? Or maybe yeah, sure. uh, from, from a player and then growing into a, a, a coaching perspective? Sure. Unlike a lot of other programs. So yeah, you're right. We played Montgomery Blue Devils. Um, it's the Montgomery County team and they have a network of, of volunteers. And I, you know, I, I can't speak to specific numbers of their program. I'm not very knowledgeable of their program in detail, um, but they always have a lot of teams. I think they have over a thousand kids that participate in their different age groups and they have multiple teams at each age group and they have you know a, a b a select and all that type of things they have all girls teams and things of that sort um, our program is a little different as we cater to um, a very small community of you know inner city kids um, and fort dupont is the only regulation size rank in washington dc proper so um we're, you know, we're fighting for, I shouldn't say fighting, but there are other entities that use the ice. So you have other clubs that use the ice at Fort DuPont. You have some private schools that use the ice at Fort DuPont. So our, our days uh, are Mondays and Wednesdays, um, you know, in the evening for about an hour and 20 minutes for practice. Um, most teams have their schedules locked in in August or September, um, which ideally is when you're planning and scheduling your games for the remainder of the season. Most other clubs start up at the end of October, beginning of November in earnest. The, our issue is unlike a Montgomery that has a bunch of kids from the entire county that, that are gonna play hockey and are registering by a certain deadline. A lot of times we don't know, we get parents show up kind of at the last minute um, and we don't have multiple uh, teams at each age group. So we may have uh, 12 kids that are going to play squirt, let's say, and the 12th kid and who happens to be the goalie doesn't show up until mid-November because they're playing football or early December because they're playing football. So it makes it very difficult for us to lock our schedule in early. Um, so we have to, unfortunately, in the past, we've had to kind of schedule games, you know, here and there to round out a, a schedule. Um, we do participate um, a lot with the NHL's Hockey is for Everyone program. Um, we played uh, a couple clubs in New Jersey. Um, we've gone to Columbus, Ohio to play up to New York. There's an ice hockey in Harlem team that I used to play when I was growing up. I know they're rebuilding that program because those guys used to be freaking treacherous. I mean, they were, that was our Super Bowl. I mean, it was like, you're nervous on the entire bus ride up to New York because you knew it was going to be a dog fight and it was a dog fight. Um, and so they're, they're rebuilding that program. Hopefully they get back to that. The same way we integrate with the Capitals now from time to time, they, they were integrating uh, with the New York Rangers um, also. And I don't know if they still have that relationship, but um, that's kind of how it works um, for us. And, you know, our season, we, we usually start the first week of October and we'll go through the end of February and 
we may have like a couple days the first week of March, but usually those are like a, a blue and a black and gold scrimmage or something like that. Uh, well, I just I was curious because I mean, Ralph, you said you get your, you want to get your more certification in Minnesota. Um, yeah. you know, you're fully embedded in in the, in the Dupont program. Where do you see yourself long term with the program? Are you going to continue? With, with the Cannons, or do you want to maybe work with other clubs? What, what's sort of your, you know, long-term plan working as a coach? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. Right now, my, my goal is to stay with, with DuPont uh, as long as I can. And my long-term DuPont goal is to have DuPont competitive with the local private school clubs in the D.C. area. Um, and that's going to take some time, you know, cool. but I, I think I have a five to 10 year horizon and I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, and there's a, there's a dude at my church who told me I couldn't do it and I'm going to prove that. <laughs> love it. I love it. Spite, <laughs> spite is often the best way to. <laughs> what would possess someone to even say that to you? Why would he, what, like, I don't, what, that I don't know, man. Who says like, that? I, it was, a, it was an introductory cause he played. Right. And so one of the parents was like, hey, Ralph, this guy might be able to help out. I'm like, oh, great. So it's a phone call. And he's like, hey, so what's your outlook? And we're talking. He's like, and I'm like, yeah, man. And another and this is years ago. This is right when I met you guys. I'm like, yeah, and about another. I don't know. This was probably and yeah, this was probably four years ago. I said in about 10 years, man, I want this program to be competitive the high schoolers to be competitive with high schools here. I mean, these kids are like six and seven right now at this right. time, right? Plenty of time. He's like, oh, you'll never be able to do that. What? Yeah, you'll never be able to do that. And so <laughs> I was like, thank you. He's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, it's, it's great to have dudes like you um, because it's, I've been proven MFs like you wrong my entire life and you're just another dude, man. So um <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's the dudes in your in your own neighborhood that throw logs on that fire that burns inside your chest man and that's cool tell us about your story about you know when you went to try out for navy oh so freshman year um i, I was interested in playing um ice hockey and so it's a it was a club team at navy i think now it's uh uh, NCAA Division Three, I think the club is, um, and so club team. So I come out, and there's A team and a B team, um, and most of the A team guys were previous players. So I was going out for this B team, and um, I also played lightweight football, which at the Naval Academy is a varsity sport, um, not a club sport. So in that, we were going to a championship game. So I talked to the coach. He's like, well, I'm pretty much set. I was like, well, you haven't even seen me skate yet. And he's like, well, you can come out, but I'm not going to give you a spot. I was like, surely he will change his mind after he sees me skate. And so I get my equipment and I didn't have my equipment. It was in DC. So I had to, you know, get my dad to bring my equipment out and I hop on the ice and I'm going through these tryouts. And I was like, all right, well, you know, you do the mental math. You're like, all right, I'm better than this kid. This kid can barely skate. All right, cool. Where do I fit in? And, you know, going through drills. I'm like, all right, I'm killing this drill. I'm not doing so well in this one. All right. Uh, um, and then it's like, hey, at the end, I didn't see my name on the roster. So he was true to his word. He didn't offer me a spot. 
Hmm. And he says, well, you can be a manager. I let my managers practice. So I'm like, all right, I won't get all bent out of shape. You know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be a manager. So I'm a manager for the, for this team and I'm going through the drills and practice. Like I'm a player on the team and I'm doing better in the drills than some of the dudes that are on the team. Like, I, I'm not doing this, man. I'm not getting water for these dudes. No, that's right. not happening. So that was, that was my last day freshman year on the ice. And it was the most disappointing day of all the things that you go through at the Naval Academy, uh, all the yelling, all the sacrifice, all this type of stuff. That was my hardest day there. It was the longest walk back to my room. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening, man. Um, so no hockey for me freshman year. I didn't even go to the game. Like I, I didn't even. Steve, was that like a racial thing? Like what, what do you think is the reason for something like that? Or just something? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that guy. It was the only interaction I had with him. Um, I didn't know if his team was really was set. He knew who he was going to pick for whatever reason, but coach thinks that that's maybe what it was, you know, Um, could it have been, I mean, he looked at me, maybe it's my, my size. He gave me one look and he had made up his mind already that, you know, uh, I couldn't play. So, um, it seems suspicious to me, but yeah, yeah, coach who doesn't play the race card very often. If he said that, that could be, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he he left. That was his last year. After that mm. year, that coach leaves. A new coach comes in, and I, I make the team my sophomore year. And then by the time I'm a senior, I get voted to be the team captain of the team. So, you have a really cool looking photo over your left shoulder. So, for those that are just listening to the podcast, yeah. maybe you could describe it. But what is it? Uh, so that that's a photo. It was a poster I got mounted, and it's just a Tuskegee Airmen poster so folks that don't know the Tuskegee Airmen World War II there's been a movie about those guys um the first black aviators in in the army air corps um and they were doing bomber escort type stuff never lost a bomber um one of the only units to that can tout that and so I've you know being a, a black aviator um in the marine corps navy it doesn't matter um we're, it's still a very a, a small group of folks and so I always get drawn to this photo um, and hockey as well it's not very many of us playing hockey so um, that that's what that is it's always resonated near and dear to to my heart um, because those dudes along like guys like coach um, dealt with kind of some harsh environments and and things that where they maybe weren't welcomed um, but they pushed through and, and did excellently well and paved the way for guys like me to, to come on and, and, and continue that and made it a lot easier for folks like me to, to do it. If I'm not mistaken, you broke your own sort of barrier. Oh, you know? okay. So take, taking command of a, of a fighter squadron out there. Um, I wasn't the first, but I, okay. I think uh, as far as the Marine Corps goes, we may have had a single digit number of guys that have done that um, in our history. Um, so it, it's not something that happens very frequently. Um, especially when we're talking uh, fighter aircraft, um, just because our, our pool, when I started uh, in the aviation world, there was, there's probably 12. Uh, and so I started flying in 2003-ish. Um, late 2003 is when I got to my operational squadron through all the training. There were probably about 12 African-American guys throughout the Marine Corps. 
Navy numbers are a little bit higher, but they're, 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 the fleet of aircraft is a little bit bigger. Um, so we've never eclipsed more than maybe one and a half to two percent of the total flying numbers in the Navy Marine Corps team. So uh, yeah, it's not very frequent that you get um, an African-American guy or, or lady. I don't know if we've ever had an African-American female that has been a commander of a fighter unit. Um, I know we have it in the Marine Corps. Uh, I don't know if we have it in the United States Navy, so I can't really speak to that. It isn't common at all. Just a quick little ask. What is the single greatest uh, lesson you've learned from Coach Neal? Um, oh, that's, that's easy. Um, so for me, would be perseverance. Um, that, that is the, the one thing that, you know, you can control how much you prepare, but that doesn't mean you're going to have the results you want. You can perform as best you can. That doesn't mean you're going to succeed. But if you persevere and continue to push forward, continue to fight, even when you don't want to, even when you can't see the finish line and you don't know why you're doing it, and it seems like all is lost, you've lost all hope. But man, if you can just persevere and put one foot in front of the other, uh, good things will happen. It may not happen the next day. It may not happen the next week, but eventually they will. So you can't give up hope. Just keep fighting, keep struggling and, and stay in it. Um, and, and so perseverance has served me well. And I've, you know, learned it at home with my mom and dad and definitely reinforced with Coach Neal and put to the test at Fort DuPont. Um, and that has been, you know, that, you know, I pull up to the starting, to the starting line, if we're racing, I pull up and you don't realize what I got under the hood. And so, um, that perseverance is definitely going to get me over the finish line. So that, that is the single best lesson I've learned from him. You know, we didn't talk about little Ralph and I feel bad that we didn't even bring him up and that you, you've brought, you've carried on the legacy of coach Neil with your son now. And that's really you know, what, what the Fort DuPont Cannons really is in the community and the family. Um, but thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you, you've been a joy to deal with and, and yeah, you're, you're just fantastic. We really, we're really sad to see you leave, but we're glad that you're back. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, thanks. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure working with you guys and really uh, I'm happy that I got to know you and can consider you friends and look forward to, hanging out with you guys next time you're in town. Don't be strangers. Thanks to Ralph Featherstone for joining us this week. And next week on The Godfather of Hockey, we have another Fort DuPont coach, Rob Primus. Anyone can play and everyone should have the opportunity to play. You know, the team resembles that. It, it really does. And I think for him, it is about giving opportunity to those who, to be honest with you, hockey has not paid attention to or has not been willing to open the door the way they have in other communities and other uh, countries. You know, now it's like, hey, you don't have to be from Canada. You know, you don't have to be white. You don't have to be from Europe. You don't have to have uh, a certain last name. You can come and play and you can get accepted. You will be accepted and you will be encouraged and you will be loved and you'll be supported. On behalf of Steve and I, we would like to thank Michael Mayers for producing each episode of The Godfather of Hockey, John Grigg for his excellent script writing, and last but not least, Brian Young for allowing us to use his beats in this pod and in our film. Please like and subscribe to The Godfather of Hockey wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you would like to put a face to the voices you hear on here, please follow us on our Instagram at the Canons Documentary. If I don't do me, that's the death in me, the death in me. Calm through the storm, watch the enemy, the enemy. Check the score, I came back from a deficit, a deficit. Working on my game.